Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this week, we're talking about Verdi's great Otello, which debuted at La Scala Milan in 1887, Eric. One of uh, at least two operas inspired by Shakespeare's play Othello, the other being the Rossini version. Mm, exactly. And one of the very, very, very few operas inspired by Shakespeare that the consensus basically says that it is it equals the subject matter. It's it, worthy. It rises to the level of Shakespeare. It's that good. It's a masterpiece. The Rossini Otello is a little bit more fanciful. <laughs> Lots of poetic license there. <laughs> Here, Verdi working with Arrigo Boito, the librettist, who has done a wonderful job of taking the, I think it's something like 3,500 lines of Shakespeare's play and boiling it down to 800 lines for the opera. Right. And, and it can't be emphasized enough that Verdi was not a young man when he composed this. This is part of his late period, one of his only two operas in his late period, and he was in his 70s when he finished this. I think I re remember reading him saying that he really m was saddened by the ending of the composition process because he came to love the characters so much that he missed them when he, when he was finished composing this opera. And of course, after this, he went on to compose Falstaff. Yeah. So a Shakespeare theme, but a comedy rather than a, a tragedy. He loved Shakespeare. Uh, witnessed three operas that Verdi composed based on Shakespeare texts. This, obviously, Falstaff and Macbeth from his early period. What they have done here in boiling down the Shakespeare play is they have taken out all the scenes, etc., that take place in Venice, and they focus just on those scenes that take place in Cyprus, where Otello is now the new governor. And at the opening of Act One, he returns, his ships return in glory, having defeated the Turkish fleet. And again, another badge of honor for the great Otello. Yes. But first he has to get to port because as the curtain opens, there's a, there's a, storm. a, a tempest at sea. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to, you know, get his ship to port in the midst of this tempest. And we as the audience are with the, the crowd watching, I guess, from the ramparts. And the chorus is reporting, you know, every moment, you know, whether or not the ship is safe. And it finally lands and they rejoice. And Otello steps off the ship and sings... One of the great entrances in all of opera, Esultate. It's this big, trumpeting rejoice declaration of, of joy uh, at their victory and at his, his safe return. And we should, we should note at this point, I think, that Otello, the title role in Otello, it's a tenor role. It is a dramatic tenor role. And what we mean by dramatic is it requires a voice of sufficient heft and volume all up and down the scale, that it can really trumpet over a large orchestra and chorus. Otherwise, this, this, this role can be a real voice wrecker. So right at the beginning here, we have this picture painted of Otello as this great soldier, this great statesman. Yes. And the, the Cypriots 
love him. And there is this sort of Otello love fest yes. going on that is soured, unbeknownst to Otello, of course, by Iago talking to Rodrigo. Rodrigo says, I fancy Desdemona. I fancy Otello's wife. And Iago says, well, you know what? I don't like Otello that much, so I'm going to help you seduce her. Nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> right from the debut, though, we have this picture, this, this contrast between Otello and Iago. Otello, the great man of war, and Iago, the, the sniveling, backstabbing traitor. Sociopath, uh, you might even say, because all throughout the Shakespeare, of course, Otello keeps calling him Honest Iago, Honest Iago, and and that's that's even here in the opera as well. In in some points, he keeps talking about how honest he is, and of course, we know from the get go, he is anything but honest. Iago's problem, to some extent, with Otello is that Otello has promoted Cassio and made him chief of the navy, which is a post that Iago wanted for himself. So right. he feels that he has been slighted by Otello, and hence he turns against him. Yes. And of course, he has bad feelings against Cassio because Cassio now has the role that he saw for himself. And he felt he's, he deserved. And so what he does is he connives to get Cassio drunk. Mm-hmm. Cassio is about to go on watch. And Iago forces him, prods him, to have another toast with me. Have another uh -huh. toast with me. Starts let's, a drinking song. Let's toast Otello and Desdemona. And Cassio, of course, soon then is in his cups. Mm -hmm. Montano arrives, the former governor, and sees Cassio not in a fit state to go and take over the watch. And Iago says, yeah, he's like this every day. Every day. And the situation escalates between Montano and Cassio, who's completely out of control, to the point where swords are drawn. And the two of them are all of a sudden engaged in a rather, you know, potentially deadly sword fight right there outside of Otello's dwelling place. And in fact, Cassio wounds Montano. Yeah. And then Otello hears the commotion and arrives. And as soon as he arrives, everything stops. Yes. Because he has that authority. He has that presence. Power. And when he finds out, he asks Iago what happened. Iago says, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Beats me. But then when, when Otello sees that Montano has been wounded by Cassio, that Cassio is in this drunken state, he dismisses Cassio. And demotes him. Iago's revenge is beginning to play out. Right. His little scheme is beginning to bear fruit right. from his perspective. And in the midst of all this, Desdemona, Otello's beautiful young wife, appears at his side. And when everyone else disperses, the two of them are left alone. And then we begin one of the great love duets, the, one of the greatest ever written. It begins with the, uh, the words, Gian nella notte vensa. Gian 
is where we see that Otello and Desdemona have a truly beautiful, intense love for one another. And this picture that is painted here by, by Verdi is so important for the audience's perception of Otello because we see him here. We know he's the great warrior because mm -hmm. of everything else that has preceded in Act One, that he's beloved of the people, etc. But here we see a different side of him, a side that just increases our love and respect for him because he and Desdemona are so tender and so focused on each other. With one brief exception, in the midst of this, he gets riled up uh, when he's talking about military exploits and, he, and you see the warrior in him sort of take over and he, he sort of briefly loses control and he gets kind of agitated and he ends on this, you know, this high note and she steps in and calms him. That perfect match. They, yeah. they complement each other. But you can see that there's, you know, from the beginning, there's a, a barely suppressed rage within him that she apparently alone <laughs> can, assuage. Can, can assuage. End of Act One. Act Two, we are in a hall in the castle, and Iago still planning on making Otello jealous of Desdemona. Right. He's advising Cassio to go to Desdemona and say to her, can you help me get my job back? Right. Can you plead on my behalf to your husband to reinstate me? Right. Cassio then leaves to do just that, and Iago is left alone, and here is where we get Iago's credo, which is, it, it's, it's exactly what it appears to be, a credo. He states for us, and us alone, his philosophy, in, a, in essence. <laughs> Credo in un Dio crudel. I believe in a cruel God. Who has fashioned me in his own image. Oh, yes. And ends with the line, E vecchia cell, and, and heaven's just, a, just an old joke. He's a deeply cynical guy, <laughs> What's interesting is that it's the perfect inversion of the Christian belief. Yes. God is a great God, and we are created in his image. Right. Then... Otello arrives, and as he's approaching, Iago, looking at Desdemona and Cassio, because Cassio is pleading his cause with Desdemona, Iago says, mm. I don't like the look of that. That doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> Planting the seed. And Otello questions Iago. What do you mean? What's going on? And Iago is, gives these very sort of crafty answers that never quite answer the question, but plant more seeds of doubt in Otello's mind with regard to the, uh, the fidelity of Desdemona and the loyalty of Cassio. Right. Desdemona approaches Otello and starts to plead Cassio's case. Look, dear, you should really think about giving him his old job back. 
And Otello responds with, I've got a headache. <laughs> Mardon le tempie. And she says, here, take my handkerchief and wrap it around your head. Maybe that'll make you feel better. This is a special handkerchief that Otello had given her, uh, I think, when they got married. When they, when they first fell in love, I think, yeah. It was a linen handkerchief embroidered with strawberries. So it's, it's, it's of great significance and uh, great sentimental value. And going to become of much greater significance as we go along here. <laughs> Otello throws it ground, on the ground and says, I don't need it. And what happens? Amelia, Iago's Iago's wife and Desdemona's maid, picks it up. And, as we will find out later, that's how Iago gets it. Right. So she she sees that he's clearly in a mood. (laughs) And she and Amelia leave Otello and Iago alone. And this is where... Really, the the seeds of of that jealousy that Iago's planted start to to grow. They start to blossom. It starts to fester. Mm-hmm. Otello is starting down that path, and he believes that Desdemona might be deceiving him. Yeah, with Cassio. Iago starts with the whole passive aggressive thing, and he says "chomakora," and he's he's I'm just I'm troubled, I'm troubled. Oh, it's nothing, it's nothing. And you know, finally, Otello just explodes and says, "Tell me, you know, tell me what's going on." It leads up to this this passage that, that Iago sings called "Era la notte." It was at night, and he relates to Otello a, a scene that he supposedly saw. Cassio had a dream while they were sleeping in the same room and Iago heard him talking in his sleep and he kept repeating the name Desdemona Soave, my sweet Desdemona. Uh-oh. Oh boy. And then he concludes by saying, you know, I, Otello mentions this, this handkerchief that, uh, that he gave a Desdemona when they first fell in love, and 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 Iago says, you know, I could swear, I could swear, I saw that handkerchief just the other day, in Cassio's hand. Ooh, explosion! Otello absolutely explodes, and the result of this is this big, huge duet that ends the act that begins with the word "si pelcel," where Otello and Iago form a pact and swear by heaven to gain revenge on Desdemona Desdemona and and Cassio. End of act two. Yes. Act three. We're in the great hall of the castle. Iago, talking to Otello, says that he will bring in Cassio. He'll lure Cassio and get him to sort of spill the beans. And Otello can sort of hide nearby and eavesdrop on their conversation. Right. Desdemona enters. She reminds Otello again about reinstating Cassio. And Otello says, I've got that headache again, and asks for Desdemona's handkerchief. And she produces one. And he says, not that one. Not that one. I want the one I gave you. The one with the strawberries. Yeah. 
and she doesn't have it because Amelia has it. No. <laughs> Amelia had it. Right. Iago got it from Amelia and he planted it on Cassio. She goes away. Artello laments his fate. God, you could have thrown every evil at me. Yeah. Huge soliloquy here. Dio mi potevi scagliar. It's a, it's a real touchstone for the dramatic uh, tenor. And then Iago returns with Cassio. Artello hides and eavesdrops on their conversation. But Iago places Otello at just f a, f a far enough distance away that he can't really hear them very well. He can see them, but he can't hear them well. Of course, what he's seeing and what he's sort of half hearing is a completely different conversation completely between different. Iago and completely, Cassio. Yeah, completely innocent. Right. Yeah. But Otello picks up enough that he thinks it's about Desdemona. Desdemona. Yeah. Furthermore, Iago has given Cassio the handkerchief that Emilia picked up, the handkerchief that Otello originally gave to Desdemona. He gives it to Cassio, and Cassio has it and is waving it about. He's just, you know, completely innocent of the fact that this this is a <laughs> this is a like flashing a red cape in front of a of a bull, basically. And Otello sees him with the handkerchief and thinks, oh, Oh, Iago was right all along. Desdemona gave him the handkerchief. Iago says, Otello is about to arrive, so perhaps you ought to get out of here, Cassio. And then when Otello does arrive, they start to plan how to kill, kill. Desdemona. Yeah. First, Otello, I can't remember what he, what he wanted to do, but Iago said, no, you should strangle her in her bed where she committed the sin. And I'll take care of Cassio. You're right. And at that point, Otello promotes Iago to captain to that post that Cassio had. So Iago is doing pretty well. He's doing rather well. They're interrupted. You hear a cannon shot, and then you hear herald trumpets. And they are announcing the arrival of Lodovico and Venetian ambassadors. And they've come to deliver uh, an important message to Otello. So everyone is assembled. Everyone comes out. Desdemona comes, comes back. Everyone is assembled there as Otello greets Lodovico. And Lodovico says in an aside to Iago, he says, is something wrong with Otello? <laughs> you know, he, he seems uh, out of sorts. And uh, Iago just kind of shrugs and says, well, you know, he is the way he is. <laughs> but there is a great antagonism here on the part of Otello toward Desdemona. He's been given uh, a proclamation. Calling him to Venice, back to Venice. Right. To, to get new honors, to be celebrated, in fact. It's not, uh, it's not as if it's a demotion. It's, it's actually a, a really great honor that he's been afforded. And he's reading the proclamation, and at the same time, he's making little asides to Desdemona. He's being, stay on your knees. Get down. You know, just shut your mouth. <laughs> I mean, he's, oh, it's just, it just gets uglier and uglier. Until finally, he explodes and he throws her to the ground. And everyone is just horrified at what's just happened. And it begins a, a big ensemble where everyone is, is commenting on, this is not the hero that we've known, that we've come to love. And at the same time, you hear Iago and Rodrigo continue to plot you know, and their little vocal lines in this ensemble, and you hear Desdemona is, is just 
you know, in tears on, on, the, on the ground, uh, wondering, what did I do? And uh, it all comes to a, to a big climactic uh, chord, and Otello stops it all and says, everybody get out. Everybody get away from me. And does Damona starts to remain behind to see if she can get through to him, and he curses her. Anima mia ti maledico. She runs from the place. Otello, uh, he's just, he is just crazed. He is really crazed at this point. And he, his mind is just swimming with all these violent emotions until finally he falls to the ground insensate. <laughs> at which point Iago steps up, puts a foot on him and says, you hear in the background, you hear the, the crowd trying to, to placate him saying, Gloria al Leon di Venezia, glory to the Lion of Venice, Otello being the lion. Mm-hmm. And Iago puts his foot on Otello's prone body and says, Ecco il leone, here's your lion. <laughs> Curtain falls. End of Act 3. Act 4, we are in Desdemona's bedchamber. And she is with Emilia, her maid, Iago's wife. And she asks her a very funny thing. Put out the bridal gown, my, my wedding gown for me. And uh, if I die... I want to be buried in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a great scene for Desdemona. This is called the Willow Song. She sings a song that her, her old nursemaid used to sing to her to kind of calm herself, you know, in, in memories of her childhood. When she ends the Willow Song, she goes directly into this beautiful, beautiful, diaphanously beautiful Ave Maria, praying for her soul because she... She basically knows, knows that something she, is up. She knows what's coming. kisses Desdemona three times. She's asleep. He kisses her three times. There must be a symbolism there. There is, actually. In the love duet in Act One, the love duet ends with him singing un bacio, un bacio ancora, un altro bacio. A kiss. Give me one more kiss. And there's a melody that goes along with that, and that's going to come back. He kisses her three times. And she wakens. He asks her, did you say your prayers tonight? Yeah. Atello explains, you're going to die because you've been cheating on me with Cassio. Desdemona obviously denies it. Desdemona says, bring Cassio here and ask him. And Otello says, I can't because he's dead. She pleads for her life and, and protests her innocence repeatedly. But it unfortunately only serves to uh, steal his resolve and ultimately he does take her by the throat and he strangles her to death Emilia knocks at the door and says Cassio has killed Rodrigo 
And, of course, Desdemona knows that something's up because Otello just said Cassio's dead. dead. At that point, Amelia hears this faint moan from the bed. And she goes over and finds Desdemona basically dying. And she calls for help and turns to Otello and says, what have you done? (laughs) And he brings up the handkerchief again. Yeah. He says that handkerchief is proof that Desdemonia was carrying on with Cassio. And Amelia says, "Uh, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh-uh, Iago took that handkerchief. Right. Suddenly, Otello is thunderstruck. And also, then, Montano enters and said, Rodrigo has been killed. And as he's dying... He he fingered Iago. He revealed the plot that Iago was going to take care of of Otello and get Rodrigo Desdemona. Yeah. How does Otello react to all this? He's thunderstruck and he drops his sword and he begins a a really solemn soliloquy that begins with the words, Nun mitema, fear me no one. And at the height of this soliloquy, he stabs himself. And then he crawls toward the body of Desdemona and kisses her. And with the return of that theme from Act One, un bacio, un bacio ancora, un altro bacio. And he dies. End of Act Four, end of the opera. Yeah. So, Eric, this piece is what it is because of the adaptation, the successful adaptation of the Shakespeare play. But also, there must be something musically here. Absolutely. In Wagner, you have a maverick, a guy who just took everything established and threw it out and reinvented it. But in Verdi, you have someone who achieves much the same results, but by working within the system. In Verdi's early period, you see somebody who, is, uh, who has his own voice, but is still operating uh, in within the confines of bel canto, the, the bel canto school, you have numbers and you have you know fast arias and slow arias, and you have connect them with with recitative, and the action all happens in the recitative, and then the numbers, the arias, the duets, the ensembles, people reflect on what just happened. Then in his middle period, starting with Rigoletto, he starts to blur the lines. You start to have duets in which The voices don't have the melody so that there can actually be plot advancement in these things. And the lines between numbers and recitative start to become blurred. When you get to Otello and Falstaff, his late period masterpieces, the lines are gone. There's no more recitative. There aren't numbers per se, although you could, you point them out, and we have, you know, Dio mi potevi scagliar, and Desdemona's Willow Song, and the Credo. These sort of distinct arias. Yeah, but you can't pull them out easily, because they just flow in and out of this big musical tapestry that comprises each act. And so you have a transformation by Verdi of Italian opera, going from the bel canto school towards something much more dramatically viable. 
Verdi Zotello. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening.